I'm here with Tom Dahl, class of 1998 from then Baptist Bible College, now Clark Summit University. It's interesting to find out Tommy is a BBC grad, but what in the world are you doing now teaching at West Point, the United States Military Academy? But before you get there, I want to ask a few questions uh, about how in the world you ended up at then BBC. So Tommy, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how you heard about CSU. Yeah, no, hey, Paul, thanks for having me. Really great to reconnect after all this time. You know, CSU, Baptist Bible College, BBC, really fond memories. I mean, you know, Liz, my wife, Liz Euler then, we just have, you know, great memories of our time there, you know, in the mid to late 90s. Uh, and then just the folks we, we, we kind of have come in contact there and just remain connected over the years. So, you know, as far as our journey there, honestly, I mean, I had a pastor. My dad was a pastor, but at the time, an assistant pastor in Altoona, Pennsylvania. We had a pastor by the name of Ron Lindholm, uh, whose folks, actually, whose parents uh, were located there in Clark Summit University. And so, you know, he kind of saw that, you know, my brothers and I were probably need a little more help uh, and weren't getting enough uh, guidance. And But he was he was huge in our life and impact in our life. And uh, I think maybe our 10th grade year in, uh, in high school. Uh, he took the three of us and as well as another friend of ours who attended there, Brandon Baker. And we all visited then BBC for a college day visits visit. I think it's what they called it then. I'm not sure what they call it now, but a college day visit. Just so you could see how the, the students were interacting. I, you know, I slept on the floor in Ridley Hall on that college day. We got to interact in the classes, as you guys all know. Uh, we got to interact in chapel, and we got to meet, you know, then a big deal for us is meet, like, Coach Jacobs and the soccer team. So, I mean, that was that was huge for us. And so, really, you know, Pastor Lindholm uh, was, the, I would say, the catalyst to introducing us to uh, then BBC and getting us up there to get a look at it and really kind of cultivating that desire to go there. So, that was a neat opportunity. What year did you end up coming as a freshman? My freshman year was 1994, so the fall of 1994, and you end up playing, uh, I think, all four years for the legendary Coach Jacobs. Tell us, tell us about your soccer experience here. The soccer experience, you know, it played a huge impact uh, in, you know, even today who we are. I mean, I can't tell you. This is what you walked into. You walked into this uh, organization, one, which is, you know, uh, headed by, you know, Coach Jacobs. And, and, you know, he's just huge in our lives. Even now, we talk pretty frequently the young folks on the team who were the old folks to us, but you walked in and Jeff Stimson was a, was a senior. He was a captain then, and he was just actively, you know, getting ready to get out to the, into the world and kind of get after pursuing Christ in ministry. And that was, that was really neat to watch him. And, and he was as compelling there, you know, as he was with the, with us freshmen there. So we walked into that Tim Holdridge, Tim Holdridge was a senior on the team and, you know, he was just a love for Christ and he, traveled a summer with him. And then we have other folks that were somewhat upperclassmen, underclassmen, but, you know, Dan Dundor, Jeff Rackinator, Rob Saller, uh, Russ Davis, a good friend of mine was a year ahead of me. And so all these, all these folks that you're able to interact with. I mean, I, I hadn't had that experience before. You had guys who were athletes, guys who love God and kind of put it all together. And then, you know, Coach Jacobs, I don't, I don't know if I have enough words to speak how that, that man has interacted in my life and, you know, his, his wife, uh, Dawn and, and their children um, just, you know, even today we're, we're constantly in contact with them. So, I mean, he just, he was all about the details. Um, and if that doesn't, you know, carry over to the world of the military, I don't know what else does. So, I mean, the details, the grit, the hard work um, and just, uh, and kind of working together. So yeah, great. I mean, great experience, great experience. I walked into a very rich time at BBC, at least I thought uh, in 1994. 
you listed off a lot of great guys that I know and a lot of our listeners would know. So my question is the toughest drill sergeant you ever had compared to coach Jacobs who wins out as the meanest, meanest guy of the two. I don't know. I think that, I don't know. Like, I think I would go with the drill sergeant to stay on his side. I think I'd be more comfortable with the drill sergeant. I mean, it was, it was funny. We were, I, I think I told earlier, but I was talking with Mark Fitch late last, late last week. And we were talking about some of the drills that we ran in some of those preseason camps up there on the Hill in Clark summit where the seminary used to be. And I mean, it was relentless. Uh, it was good. It was relentless. Uh, but just, you know, if you miss something, he let you know it, but he let you know with love and came around and put his arm around you. But I learned so much from, from him and from what he gave us there on the soccer playing fields. What, what was your major at BBC and what maybe some of your favorite classes or profs that you remember? Yeah, I went into school. I wasn't certain what I wanted to look at when I attended uh, the college in the fall of 94. And so uh, really uh, looking at it, I knew I was issued in Bible. And so um, pastoral ministry uh, kind of lended towards that, which led into Greek, right? Which I was not good at studying Greek, but it, here's, here's a kind of a, a unique thread. Our Greek teacher at the time then was Dr. Don Holdridge, right? And so if anybody knows him, like he was actively involved in military chaplaincy, right? And military service. And so I would tell you that that as far as like someone, he was probably the first person I knew that served in the military. And so, but having, watching him kind of navigate through the parsing of Greek uh, words and trying to figure out these, this translation. And I had no idea. I I think I can still sing the alphabet now if they asked me to, but he was just so humble and so intelligent and thought that was great. Man, that's a, that's a hard. There's a lot of good professors that we had. I could probably list most of them, and I don't think I ever had a bad one. But I mean, had Doctor Price. You know, he did a lot of like the New Testament and Old Testament kind of like books there. I mean, everybody had Mister Schlegel, and that was just like you just sat there and kind of like you know what he he just understood the scriptures, and so I, you know his Romans class and his First Corinthians class. Those were always you know, excellent to be part of. I even had a, I enjoyed the times with Dr. Rathmel. He gave a couple of counseling classes. I thought they were pretty decent uh, and just enjoyed his kind of interaction with him. So, I mean, you know, the, the professors there at the time were just like, I just thought they were, they were, it was just a rich experience. They understood the scriptures, they understood, you know, how to prep us for, you know, whatever it was that we may go into. And I mean, just grateful for that time. How was it that you began to figure out that you ought to go into the army and maybe the corollary question along with that is, is there a kind of person that fits into the army? As far as like the pathway to, you know, for us to enter the service, you know, my wife Liz would tell you that she probably prayed multiple times that if, if anybody was interested in going to the, you know, to the military, she didn't want anything to do with that person. So, um, so maybe that was step one. If your wife says something that maybe that's what you're going to do. I, I don't know, but you know, I do. It starts. I mean, Dr. Holridge, you know, just watching. I didn't have much conversation with him, um, but it, it always resonated. It goes back to the idea of the military side with uh, I, I tell folks this quite a bit. There's there's something with uh, with camaraderie and unity, something that, I, frankly, I was missing post Baptist Bible College CSU with the soccer team because I enjoyed that. I enjoyed working along with other folks. There was something to do with the grit and the hard work, which you obviously get in a military type organization. And it's this idea of coming towards a goal and purpose. And so all those things kind of resonated uh, with me. And as I exited, you know, BBC in the, in the spring of 98, we were kind of looking at kind of some of those options there. And initially was looking at 
perhaps pursuing chaplaincy similar to Dr. Holdridge, but then was working my way through that, but, you know, found out that there were some opportunities in some other areas inside the army. I think as far as a person, you know, is there a type person that would, you know, that should be in military service? I mean, you know, bias for me would be, I mean, we always look for people who have, I think, decent character, right? And so like that is really maybe not necessarily non-biblical worldview, but applies so strongly if we look at someone who is a Christian, a believer, and then walks inside the military arena because they have that character. They have an ethic. They have a foundation to be able to think, to be able to see through a lens that I think will help them in the decision-making process. And then again, uh, you want people who want to come together and build these cohesive teams and people who are willing to get after some very, you know, sometimes complex problems, maybe not so complex, but really just get their roll their sleeves and kind of work on that. And they're doing it for a greater good. I think all similar to what the, the same kind of principles and values I learned my time at BBC uh, that you would see those type folks here. So that, that's a, that's a very good question. I think we're having a conversation with class of 98, Tom Dahl and uh, Jim Lytle, our CSU president talking about kind of Tom's uh, role coming to the school, but his path. Uh, how did you end up teaching at West Point? And if I understand right, you're teaching a, a senior ethics class. Tell us more about that course. Yeah, so I don't know if, if West Point was something I had always looked at. Um, I mean, obviously, West Point is where the United States Military Academy is located at, West Point is the installation. And so every year, 1,000 or 1,100 uh, freshmen, what they call please, are accepted and enter into, uh, into the academy, as well as every year, you know, another 1,000, 1,100 seniors or firsties are promoted or graduated and promoted to the rank of second lieutenant and then catapulted out into military service, mostly for the Army on that case. Honestly, you know, looking at, you know, the idea of kind of thinking through and, and seeing what an officer should be inside the, the idea of the Army, you know, you want individuals, back to Dr. Lytle's question, you want individuals that are willing to think right, fight right, and, and honestly, to win right inside what the country asks us to do within the military. And so, Tied into that is this class that we teach here, and it's they really the, the the class is called officership, which I'm not sure is even a word, but it ties in the threads of you know psychology, philosophy, and then some history with ethics, and really trying to to work with the students, the seniors. It's the seniors that we teach. Uh, really, if they have they meet this dilemma, you know, how do they confront the dilemma? Do they stop at the dilemma? Do they maybe shift the way of thinking dilemma? Ideally, they already have intentions at their forefront where they want to go through that dilemma and they get to the other side because they've already known that, hey, the right thing to do is to continue. And so, and that is easier said than done. That is as easier said than taught, as the three of us all know. I mean, we hit dilemmas all the time. You know, we hope we, we hope we act in a certain way and sometimes they're somewhat overbearing or they weigh heavy on us and it's not as easy to kind of push through, but that's kind of the process there. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question then. You're a major, so you're right in the middle of the command structure. Are there times when you find yourself leading an organization that doesn't align with your worldview? Yeah. You're talking about the young men you're training, and you want to make sure they can get, get through there. How's, how's worldview tie into all that? No, that, I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? So there have been many times within, regardless of like the position or rank, uh, where you know, obviously the worldview I, I, I kind of hold to, which is scripture, which is biblical, uh, biblical based, 
does not align with maybe a, a leader that I'm working with, or maybe even an organization that we're trying to get after, or maybe even an operation in the way we're trying to look through to solve a problem. It's, it's a great question. I, you know, you go back to those biblical principles, you know, you think about, you think about Daniel, I think Paul and I've talked about this before, but you think about Daniel, you think about how he kind of like stood in the gap, uh, worked with inside. I mean, obviously he was, he was a captive and he was taken to another country and he still rose uh, and was well thought of within the ranks, within the governmental system of, of Babylon at the time and then into, into the Syrians. So, I mean, it was interesting to see how he worked through that. I think they're going back to that dilemma. When you see that dilemma, especially for the Christian with the biblical worldview, I think it's, you have to not waver. And I, again, I realize that that is not always the easiest thing to do. There are many times guilty of, as charged where I have wavered, right? And the idea is to learn from it. So you confront those, uh, but you also know that you have this idea of this, you know, this, this book that we call, that we, that we subscribe to, uh, that kind of gives us the path that we're looking through. So, I mean, so important. Uh, it's so important. And, and I would tell you, I feel like I'm doing all talk here, but you go back, if you were to have, think about, you know, folks with this biblical worldview, we know they think right. We know they think clearly. If they're the ones solving problems, that's a, it's a pretty good thing, not only for, you know, for the organization, but for the country as a whole. So it's pretty neat. I'm kind of curious about the link between uh, BBC, CSU, and where you're going now. Uh, we've talked about character that goes from one place to another. Are there any leadership principles along the way that you find yourself uh, implementing? You know, we talked a little bit before in the in kind of the prep session here, but like if you recall back the time we were there, all due respect, Dr. Lytle, Dr. Thompson was in your position. And, you know, I just remember talking about it, a lot of it was about global leadership, right? And so they were talking about how can you get outside the world and can you lead, right? And we took it, we took it from this biblical mindset. We took it out from this biblical worldview. And so the principles, uh, to get out there and kind of work. You know, there are some simple, like simple processes when you look at the character of a person or even maybe an older word, but the virtue of a person. But sometimes it's just the idea of being loyal, remaining loyal, the idea of being honorable. I can recall a time I traveled on, I can't remember the name of the teams, but I traveled two summers on some of the camp ministry teams. And I showed up, I was on a team with Tim Holdridge and Dan Dundor. And you would just, and Josh Epstein, you would just show up to a to a camp and you, you, they kind of knew you were coming and we kind of knew we were going there, but you didn't really know maybe what the roles were going to be. Right. And you didn't know, I mean, you may be teaching, you may be singing, God forbid, if we were singing, but you may be singing. But one time it was simply, Hey, we just need to get that tree cut down because it fell down last night in a storm. We need some, we need some manual labor. Uh, and so it was this idea of like, it really, you know, Philippians chapter two, you know, consider no one better than you, you know, had this mind which is in Christ Jesus and kind of have this like selfless service that, you know, it's, it is for the goodness, right? And I learned that quickly from those, those upperclassmen I was serving with, they got, they rolled their sleeves and went out there and cut down a tree. And it's the same thing. You look at this character line that even, it's not even the military, but I think in any profession, you have ideas of Philippians chapter two, and you look at Christ and how he kind of set that standard for us. I mean, just that idea of like looking at others better. So, I mean, multiple opportunities to, to lead and have that character within, within my organization, but within other organizations, I would assume too. As an officer, how many biblical principles are you able to bring into your, your classes, your interaction with the cadets? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll tell people up front that my faith is, is a hundred percent the most important. Uh, and not, and not to say that, but then you have to be able to display that. So, one, there are some, you know, it's interesting because in the military, you're not, you know, you're not allowed to proselytize. In other words, you're not allowed really to kind of go out there and confront with the, with the gospel of Christ. 
but there are some easy ways to to covertly do it, right? So you can carry this, you know, you can carry your, you know, this is my, this is my Bible and you can just carry this in your hand and you get many questions on this. You know, this, this Bible here has jumped out of airplanes, been on combat patrols in Afghanistan. You can tell, right? It's like hanging all over there, but the, the, it's a talking point, right? And so if asked, it, you are able to answer. So it's always there. So it's in your hand. If you're carrying it with you all the time, very simple to do. And so, I mean, it's not hard to see that somebody who walks by faith is in, is in your presence. It's just the way you speak. It's just the way you act. And so often, you know, folks will come up and like, Hey, you know what you're, why, why don't you do this? Or why do you do that? Or why do you do that? And it's just like, it's just a, an easy door. And so, you know, and then at West Point, there's great opportunities that we have here involved with the Sunday school uh, class with the cadets. So the cadets teach the Sunday school here at the chapel. So, uh, Liz and I oversee them and really just work for the, the management there. Um, there are navigators on, on post, so involved and close with the navigator leader there. So they're all about the topical memory system and trying to understand how to, to really, Dr. Lai was talking about biblical studies and teaching classes on biblical studies, but they show folks how to kind of look at scripture and look at a hermeneutic and be able to pull out uh, what the Bible or what the passage is actually talking about. So multitude of opportunities within the organization to kind of tell people about Christ and, and grow, honestly grow too. I love your title, Tom, uh, your executive officer of character integration advisory group. I mean, that could be something on a Christian college campus like CSU, but maybe give us a, in a short 30 second description. What is the character integration advisory group? Yeah. So the idea behind the character integration advisory group, which is really new here at West Point, is the idea is to really to we kind of talked about it, but is every officer that leaves here has within its within within their DNA the ability to kind of think and act right. So I think most folks are familiar with that. The United States Military Academy has its own honor code. A cadet will not lie, cheat or steal, nor tolerate those who do. Uh, and really, that's the baseline, you know, as folks look at kind of the way you should live, you know, in a secular world, right? So that's a good kind of baseline. If I don't do that, you know, I'm kind of doing things. But what we want them to do is to be able to walk out of the academy with this idea of that their character is as important as their competence and as important as their commitment. And so we kind of look at those, you know, those kind of aspects. And if they have that, again, oh, we're a bit virtuous living uh, and they can use this idea of practical wisdom as they move out and they, and they really apply combat solutions to, to problems that our country asks them to do. We call it the CAG, an acronym, and Army Everything's an acronym. That's what we call it that. So. so a question that I have for you then, let's say someone is listening to us and they hear you and they start to think, man, I wonder if this could be for me. What would be their next steps they ought to do? Well, there's, there's a, there are a lot of opportunities that they're interested in military service, and this depends on kind of what their, maybe what their niche is, what their interest is, and, and ultimately what they want to do. I mean, a, a person can enlist, you know, and they can, you know, I enlisted in the, in the Army early on, so enlist and go to a basic training. You can attend one of the military academies, similar here at West Point. You can do the Reserve Officer Training Corps, which is ROTC. And I think there's even options there close to CSU. I think they have an, they do have an ROTC program at the University of Scranton. Where are that? And, uh, and they can tie into that. You know, I, I go back to the question, like, if that's something you're interested in, like the type of folks that, you know, if you were to ask me that we want are ones who kind of have that that character. Uh, the contents will come, the commitment will come. But if you had this character and if you're a, and then if you're a believer interested in the military, I can tell you that it's a great opportunity to get out here and serve, great opportunity to influence, a great opportunity to come alongside folks. And just give them a, give them a, a positive idea of what you know of who Christ is and 
and what scripture is and kind of get after that latter part of Matthew and get out there and just kind of teach. So it's uh, it's an interesting, it's a unique uh, ministry to be a part of. How many years have you been in uh, the U.S. Army? Quick math, public math. So 1999, so what, 20, 21 years, I guess, 21 years. And any tours of duty? You mentioned Afghanistan. Yeah, I mean, we've had the opportunity to serve quite a number of places, uh, quite a number of locations. Uh, you know, we stationed at uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, Fort Benning, Georgia, Newport, Rhode Island, Fort Raleigh, Kansas, and here. And then, you know, the number, we've deployed quite a bit overseas. Our, our time in service, right, you know, our time in service, which is unique, you know, we, we spend over this global war on terror. So we've had quite a number of opportunities to spend time in Iraq and Afghanistan but also to partner along some other countries and some other nations to kind of get after some, some goodness, you know, at times it did a deployment, even in Europe that have worked in Egypt, have worked in Jordan, but it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting opportunity you get to get out there with, with, with military service and see some things that perhaps you may not see otherwise. I would imagine your most scenic or favorite assignment has been uh, West Point, beautiful Hudson River and the yeah. history of uh, the United States military Academy. How, how's it been for you and your three kids living there. Are you on base or next to base? How, how has it been for your family to be there? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is, it, you're right. It's uh, it's beautiful. Uh, Hudson Valley is literally, I think what, maybe a half mile right here to the, to the East right now. And I can see if I got my front door, it's, uh, you know, this, this installation is as old as, uh, as, as old as our, you know, not as old as our country, but as the revolution started. So you're talking about 1774, 75, 76, it was, it was established here, on the Hudson River to deny then the British from traveling south, or even if as they were in New York City coming north, we were the, the idea was to cut them off and to cut off their supply, uh, their supply system. But yeah, we live on posts. We get to enjoy quite a number of the things that occur on posts. And so, I mean, the family enjoys sports and Army football. The stadium is even closer than the Hudson River, and so cannons go off from there on game day for touchdowns and. You enjoy a lot of other things that take place here on the uh, on the installation, but the the kids, yeah, the kids enjoy it. Liz loves it. Uh, it's really a nice place to be, nice part of the world. Well, I don't think it's trite to say that we are grateful for your service, and we sense that you're not only serving our country but you're serving our Lord, and that's that's a wonderful thing. We do appreciate it, Paul. Any last things as we're closing up here? I just want to say once again to Tom, thank you for your service. I, I like what you said about you're trying to train your uh, your leaders, future leaders of the army to think right, act right, and win right. And there's so many spiritual analogies for our own, our own walk, whether you're a CSU student or alum or a friend of CSU, certainly that would be our desires to think right, act right, and to, to win, to win at the Christian, Christian life. So I, I enjoyed, I, I love uh, American history and West Point. So it's neat to see a, a CSU alum and a friend that's having an impact there on their campus. Uh, they were impacted here in Clark Summit, and now you're having an impact uh, maybe just 100 miles to our east uh, on Great. beautiful uh, uh, West Point. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy getting to see you here face-to-face on campus one of these times. Well, good to be with you both. Thanks for having me. You're always welcome to come visit West Point, uh, and we'll, we'll give you a great tour. But, yeah, great. Appreciate what you all do and the leadership down there. Um, appreciate the ministry and the work of uh, CSU. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. 